Hi, everybody. Welcome to today's LinkedIn Live. Great to see you all. My name is James Osborne. I'm co-founder of the Recruitment Network. We're a large global community of advisors to the recruitment sector. Um, and really pleased to have with me today a good friend, um, although we've got a few issues today in particular, Dustin Hillier, who's the CEO and founder of Recruiter Insider. The reason why we've got a few issues today, obviously, the ashes are now live. I've got the ashes sitting next to me here, uh, looking at the score as we go. So if you hear any screams from my end, you know there's been a wicket. And if you hear any screams from Justin's end, you know they may have got a, a run or two. Who never knows? So, Justin, welcome. Good to have you here, mate. How are you? I'm well, mate. Glad to be here. Glad to be in London and doing this in a reasonable um, time for me as well. So, <laughs> it's a bit of a bonus. But, yeah, you're right. I'm not happy. We are four for 89 now, though. So, uh, <laughs> four, four for I'm not exactly happy about. But um, I'm looking forward to this chat. Yeah, definitely. It's good to have you here. So let, let, let's let's get on with it. So we we're talking obviously about data, the use of data today, and and that type of stuff, and how recruitment businesses, recruiters can use data. I suppose as a competitive advantage. I'm, I'm a huge fan and a huge belief that the the recruitment industry has changed a lot. Um, you know, I think we often talk about you know our candidates being our sort of our our sort of gold dust, I suppose, and that's how we sort of make our money. But really, a big part of it to me is around about the data. Uh, and utilizing data better, either commercializing that or in any way just to use it to increase your chances of success with your client base. So I think, you know, I love the fact that recruitment businesses now are very much more data led. I think there's still probably some way to go. So really keen to hear your thoughts on this. I know you've got a bit of a sort of slide deck you're going to walk us through as we go as well. So let's kick off. Let's get into it. I might interrupt as we go. We'll sort of play it by ear and we'll see how we get on. Sure. Can we ask the people watching, can they actually jump in and chat on this? I don't know. I know they can put a, a chat question up, but can we get them involved or is this a... Yeah, 100%. If, 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 if anyone's got any questions, they can put it in the chat. They can't physically jump oh, in. Can't physically talk. Okay, that's fine. You can jump in, but they can, put, they can put, the, put it in the chat. So please feel free to chat as you go through, yeah. I'm ask, I'll start off with two questions to you then, James. Do I need to say data or data? <laughs> you need to say data. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to remember where I am in the world. Um, so, yes, I will say data a trillion times because it's just habit and how we say it down under. Um, but, yes, I do know you all say it the wrong way. So um, we'll, we'll let that slide. Um, but, James, in all your experience, when you hear an agency pitch themselves or they give you their elevator pitch when you first engage with them or you're running a session with them, do you hear anything different? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question because we, we often have a lot of conversations around USPs, what we're saying, what makes us different. I don't think people this, really this understand. I'd probably go to, actually. Sorry. Yeah, for sure. But I, I, don't, I don't think, um, and Jahisha, yeah, if you can bring on the first slide, that'd be great. I, I don't think many people really understand truly what USPs actually means. Mm. Um, and therefore, I'm not, I'm not convinced. There are many, there are some recruiters definitely doing things differently, but I think many recruitment businesses are actually doing a lot of very much the same or certainly saying the same thing, even if they're doing things differently. And that's the challenge, I suppose. So, yeah, if we just jump to the next slide, so this is what we're talking about, USP. I, I agree with you. I don't think, I mean, I've been in this industry for 20 odd years now, and every single agency not only sounds the same, you go to their website and everyone has the same kind of content. And one of the worst things, I don't know why agencies do this or any business, I don't think any other business does this, is that we go out and not everyone, or I broad brush everyone, but broadly I see this quite often of saying, oh, we've got 20 consultants and 900 years of recruitment experience. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. <laughs> you can't add it up. It doesn't work. None of us have been alive for that. Like that, that's it's just the silliest number I think I've ever seen. But they're trying to use that as a point of difference as to all this wealth of experience they have. 
but it doesn't aggregate like that. That's not how that number should be used. So I hear everyone sounding the same, pitching the same. I think we did this, uh, I ran this question, James. I remember last time I was in London, we're in that basement of, um, you know. Lovely nightclub. Darkness. Um, when I got everyone in the room to actually get up and give their pitch, and again, everyone sounded exactly the same. This is a room full of recruiters. So it's right down at the bottom level that we're doing this. And then everyone's website sounds the same as well. Um, so if we just jump to the next slide, everyone is looking for a point of difference. But I actually think they're missing the point of what a point of difference is. You want to have a guess what it is, James? Well, it's the data, right? <laughs> no, but I, I, I... Sorry, go. Go for it. In, in this, uh, so I, I kind of reword or I'm this is a play on words for me. Everyone is trying to pitch a point of difference. Everyone's missing the key point. And I've italic the, the key word there, point, data point. The data is actually the ability uh, to provide something that goes, this is why we're different. 900 years recruitment experience is someone's going to look at that as, as um, you're trying to pitch to them and laugh at you, to be perfectly honest, or at least they should. Um, so if you've got that on your website or you're pitching that, please, please stop. Um, but if we just jump to the next slide, the ability to use data as a point of difference actually opens up many more conversations. And what we do, and I don't want to completely get into pitching recruiter insider and what have you, but we do collect some very specific data that allows our clients to go to their clients and actually literally show how you represent their brand with feedback from candidates and then show them at the same time how they're representing their brand with feedback from candidates. It identifies flight risks. We can look at the candidate experiences, all these different data points here and um, items you can see around this data point of difference. So you can sit there and go, right, we have this wealth of information. Here's what we can actually do with it. And this is our point of difference. This is our data point of difference. I was just in a client this morning and I actually asked them how they pitch themselves and what their point of difference is. They honestly said they didn't have one. That surprised me. <laughs> I'm completely honest about it. They <laughs> didn't necessarily have one. They said it's quite hard if you're doing a phone call or a cold call, whatever it is, to get the attention of the person on the other side. A, you don't know what their interest is, but B, if you're actually using this, this is for 11.2 next, if you're using data as that hook, telling them, okay, this is what feedback we get from our clients to say that we match the shortlist to the brief 100% of the time or 95% of the time feedback from last quarter, giving them something tangible. The real reason you want to be using data is it's not right for you to say that you are awesome, but it is right to let your candidates and clients do that for you. And that feedback, that data you can do to represent it opens that door up completely. I think it's a really massive point, Justin, because one, one of the things we talk a lot about when it comes to the sales pitching side of things is how do you validate the stuff that you're saying? How do you back up? So what, what you're saying to clients isn't just sales spiel. We can all say yes. that, right? Um, but how do you actually prove it? We, we call them proof points. So what yep. are the these are your USPs. What are the proof points to back each of those up? So if you say you're you, you're great with candidates or your clients love you, well, that's all well and good. You can say that, right? But surely if you said, well, our typical retention of a client is six and a half years, then that demonstrates through data that actually people do stay because they must love you. Is that right? 
Yeah, correct. And some of these old school KPIs or data points that we've been using over the years, I think have probably had their time. So things like time, but time to fill is important, but some of the older school metrics that are used still today, it's not even old school, people are still using it today. Um, but yes, things like time to fill or, um, you know, percentage of jobs filled, I think is important. But there's some other KPIs that are thrown out there that it's like, well, so what? What does that actually mean? Because the one thing when you're pitching, what you're trying to get across to them is A, your point of difference, but B, why they should work with you. And you saying why you're, or the, you saying you're, how awesome you are isn't going to convince them on any level as to why they should work with you. What problem are you solving for them? Absolutely nothing. So yes, you need to get in the door. You need to have some kind of hook to open up the conversation. But if you've got a, two or three data points, um, even two, like three, you don't even need three, a couple of data points you can pitch there at the start to go, right, we can do this. Or what if we could show you this because we see this as a result and you've got data to back it up. It's absolutely amazing what happens. So we, I got off the plane, James, Friday night, had a voicemail from our UK client director. This is from a TRN member, by the way, so you'll love this. Uh, we ran a marketing training session for everyone a few weeks ago. One of the consultants went and uh, had a client meeting and pitched all the data that he had available to him in the platform um, to the client. They loved it. He walked out of the room with a number of retained roles. Hmm. Thank you very yes. much. The client yep. he actually said that the relationship straight away by presenting all this data back, and here's the other thing, you're not just trying to do this to show that what you do is validated. It's not you just saying it's everyone else, but it improves a relationship. It improves the trust because the one, I say this line constantly, the data doesn't lie, but we can. We can say mm -hmm. we're awesome, but we may not be, <laughs> but the yeah. data doesn't lie. Um, so yeah. There's so many ways you can use data and there's a number of examples on the screen. If we just want to jump to the next slide, this I find fascinating. This is probably the biggest hook. If we're going to use one or two different data points to get the attention of the person on the other side of the table or the other side of the call or even an email, whether you're approaching this from an account management, client service, new business perspective. Last quarter, these are stats directly from our platform. We have the candidate review the hiring manager after they've interviewed with them. And everything we score is out of 100. It's a very flat, very basic math equation. And when that experience last quarter, after the candidates interviewed with the hiring manager scored between 91 and 100, there was a 50% conversion to placement. Yet when that score dropped to 80 to 90, it converted 22% of the time to a placement. Massive opportunity lost because the hiring manager, your client, is not doing the right thing by the candidate. And well, if it was between 71 to 80, good luck. You're not filling that job. Presenting this back as a point of difference and saying we can actually show you where your hiring managers are going wrong and why you're losing out on the talent that we put in front of you or that even you might have a PSL that you're competing against. I'd actually turn around and go, can they show you this information and why things aren't happening the way you expect them to? No? Well, we can. Yeah. And start reeling off a number of data points. No, I, I love this. So, so I was on an RPO pitch at the beginning of this week with one of the members. So we're helping one of the members win a, a really nice RPO pitch at the moment. I think they've got a good chance of getting it, actually. <clears throat> and one of the things that we were talking about was very much about we're, we're a consultancy. So we're not just a recruitment body supplier yeah. or whatever you want to refer to. Transactional. 
yeah absolutely but we're very much a consultancy and part of our consultancy is we need to have with you on a regular if we're going to work together as a partnership we need to have regular what we refer to as fierce conversations with you about where on your side the process is breaking down because often we talk about you know recruiters being measured by certain kpis and metrics which is great but if the hiring managers aren't playing their part in the process then the whole process and we're the ones who end up running around doing a lot of work and getting nothing in return for it. So I love this concept of being able to report, measure, talk to, and even challenge our customers on actually their role in the whole recruitment cycle. I think it's massive. And that, that's the interesting point you made though, is that you'll be running around, you know, headless truck trying to fill this job. And yet that client themselves don't know the problem internally. Yeah. Because they don't measure this themselves. So you're going to them with a level of insight that they don't even have on their own business. So opening this up and presenting this back to them, it's like, it's, it's a massive eye opener. And there's one thing that whether you're dealing with a, a C-suite, a, um, a head of TA, a recruitment director, whatever their job title is, there's one thing they will absolutely not complain about. And that's you giving them more data and insights. But, but, you've, but, but you've, got to get, you've got to be able to give it well though, right? You've got to be Correct. able to yeah, well, articulate it properly. That's key here. If it was me, I'd probably walk in and go, you guys suck. Um, yeah, I know you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I probably wouldn't recommend doing it the way I do it. <laughs> I just, for some reason, get away with it. But yeah, you're right. You do have to deliver it the right way. But it's more so if, when you're pitching something like this, it's about impact. So because this is happening, the impact, and we've got the data on this, and we, you know, this is the kind of data we show, the conversion then to placement or higher if you provide a poor experience. So you can actually go in and say, right, your hiring managers are not representing or positioning the culture of your organization in the best way possible. They're also not describing the benefits the best way they could be. It might be, and this is a shock horror one that I always look at and just shake my head. They can't describe the role the best possible way. This is the hiring manager, like, dear God. Um, they can't do that well. And identifying the problems and then going through the impact of that is this. So we've got one of our clients, I think actually, if we go to the next slide, good segue. Um, no, no wrong, wrong, wrong slide, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> this one after. <laughs> one of our clients have actually done, this is the case study. One of our clients have done this. They actually saw, this is, this is one of the best case studies I think I've seen. Um, their client was recruiting 10 interviews that they had. Um, they put four offers forward and none were accepted. The client had no idea why. Our client, took this is a TRN member as well, went back in and said, well, this is why. Your hiring managers are scoring 52 out of 100 on these particular areas. No one wants to work for you because they have no idea what it means. Mm. So they actually said, we need to do this. We need to train the hiring managers on all these different elements. Because the one thing hiring managers, let's be honest, don't know how to do is interview. They don't know how to hire. They're not trained in it. It's not their everyday job, but we're experts in it. So we should be providing that back. The ability to provide it back when you've got evidence at the same time to say they're not nailing it and you can see the direct correlation of no result is incredibly powerful. So after that training, they had 17 interviews, seven offers, seven placements, and lo and behold, the score was 96 instead of 52. That has a massive impact. There's value all across the board right there, but they had the ability to go back in and show them why with data wasn't then going back in and going, we don't think it's our fault. We think it's yours because <laughs> that's not going to work. <laughs> hmm. So if we just jump back one, here's another example. 
So you, I can talk about this all day, every day, but these are real life case studies that we've, we've had of going back in and sharing and showing data and sorry, data and the impact that it has. So Applause IT, we worked with them, our UK client director worked with them pretty closely on putting a bit of information together, some data points and graphs, et cetera, that they then pitched out to some cold clients, um, ones I hadn't worked with for a while, and they re-engaged a few. So it doesn't matter which way you're looking at this, whether it's an existing client pitching absolute new business as a point of difference, or try and re-engaging with those that you've worked with before that have gone cold for whatever reason, the opportunities are massive. And then just to further solidify this even more, if we jump a couple of slides ahead, because we went back one, here's another example. These are all, mind you, these are all TRN members, James. These are, yes. they are using it well. Um, so this is an example that has a lot of information here that I need to read quite quite quickly to remember what this case study is. So there were two examples here. Um, let's have a look. While candidates are feeling uh, looked after and know the company has good people, they have no idea why they would work there. So client A uh, was actually performing quite poorly versus the average results of the rest of this agency's client base. So I actually went in and said, here's how you're comparing. This is one of the beauties of having data as well as the ability to benchmark. Like that is the, the biggest hook of all. Um, so they actually presented back to their client saying, here's how you're performing versus everyone else. So there are a number of areas they weren't actually getting right. So that comparison is incredibly powerful. They now know, oh God, this is why we're missing out on talent. And if we jump uh, one slide ahead again, they went and fixed it all. And the result was ridiculous. So they're actually able to uh, reduce the time of hire. Um, they had recruited a whole bunch of new people in the last six months. Here's a whole bunch of information. We'll share this slide deck after. But they're able to go in and actually compare that particular client to, another, to their base. You know, this is why things aren't happening. And this is the standard you need to be at. So it's a market uh, intelligence that you're providing at the same time. And in that case there, that really was, I mean, I mean, predominantly, if you look at that last slide before that, you mm. know, the main, area, the main area of focus, what the, the candidates weren't properly prepared for the, for the interview. No, that's um, the client. Not or, being the client or the client wasn't properly prepared. Okay, so, yeah, the client just, the client just, so the client just put his cup of tea down, or she put her cup of tea down, turned up and go, all right, what's your name? Why are you and here? Oh, are you, have you got a CV? So this is your CV. I'm reading it now for the first time ever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that frustrates the living daylights out of me. So there's yeah. all those little tips you can go through with a client and going, please, for the love of God, read the CV before you get in there. Turn yeah, yeah, up prepared, sure. have some interview questions ready. Like it's just it's just so 101. Mm -hmm. Um so not the, the ability to show data if this is what your standards are and this is the the validity around we say we're good, we've got the proof um to back it up, but also that comparable bit. So if someone is trying to hire, what do they need to be doing to compete in the market? Mm -hmm. It's a candidate-driven market, right? Where comp everyone's competing against each other. An IT person isn't just going to go to an IT company. They've got multiple choices across multiple industry sectors. So it's just incredibly powerful. Um, so if we jump a couple ahead now, I think we went back one as well. Um, so we're here talking about value. So. Obviously, to stand out, there are so many different ways you can use data to position yourself and validate what it is you're talking about. But the value really goes both ways. So I'm not going to read through every bullet point here. There's way too many. I'm sure as I'm talking, everyone's uh, clicking through each one as well. 
but the ability to actually provide this much value to a client by representing data back to them and working with them to improve the process based on all the feedback and information you're getting then has a very, very tangible direct dollar correlation to your business thereafter. It'll help you win new business, retain clients, PSAs, James, that you're pitching for. It'll actually identify, and it's one of the unique things of what we do, at least uh, on our platform, we can identify flight risks. So whether someone's going to leave just after they've started. How, so how, do, you, how do you identify that? Well, we ask them after they've started, we ask them a set of questions and we ask the hiring manager also a set of questions. If they don't like each other or one doesn't like the other at a particular standard score that we see that triggers someone leaving, we notify the agency. Hmm. So there's a problem, you need to go fix it. Now, we've had agencies and we do that at the placement stage as well as a question around salary, that if they score that question quite low, we'll actually flag it and say, while they've accepted the job, you've still got four weeks, so the perm roll is an example, so you've got four weeks till they start, they've scored at 70 out of 100, chances of them staying active whilst looking for something else and have accepted your job are pretty high. So we've had an example, it's not in this deck, but um, one of our clients who also just happens to be a TRN member when I think of, think of this, um, this is public, so I can actually share it, Zipco Group. Mm -hmm. They had two flight risks appear very close to each other um, they happened almost in the same week. They went to those respective clients and said, hey, we've picked up this data. This is information we received from this platform. They were very transparent about it so the client didn't think they were just making it up. Um, this is what's happened. The, the candidates aren't that thrilled with the salary. Here's what they've scored. Not only were they able to get more salary for both of those candidates, the candidates were wrapped. It obviously then meant more fee for the agency, for Zipco themselves. Actually, those increased fees, the gap between what they were originally going to get to what they ended up with, actually paid for our product for the next five and a half months. Nice. Win, win, it, win, win, win. No, for sure. And 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 Justin, I, I de the right hand column here, the value to you, I can I can definitely see all this. I mean, it's fairly obvious, right? It's clear. Can, can we just focus on the left hand column for a second? Yeah. This this is the bit which is, I suppose, the bit I'm trying to translate this into more of the process for a recruiter. So if, if I've got data, data, whatever you want to call it, about um, how good a job or bad a job hiring managers are around pitching the company, pitching the role, et cetera, et cetera, how much is it of, of my job to be spending time with the hiring managers of our clients to advise them, consult with them, retrain them, support them, et cetera, and, and hold their hand? To what, to what point am I becoming almost I'm doing too much for them to do it? I know this obviously helps me convert my placements, which is great. Yeah. But you wouldn't you wouldn't do this with a contingent client, right? Surely this is the only stuff that you do with a client who's retained, who's embedded with you, who's locked in with you. Because on a contingent client, it's a lot of work and they could just be not just not interested anyway. They could be just utilizing lots of agencies. Yeah, I think you've answered your own question because it was exactly what I was going to say. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You wouldn't do it on contingent. But what it does, when you see these uh, kind of gaps or issues, it gives you that opportunity to then ask for retainer exclusive. Mm. Because what you want to be doing is not measuring just in this instance, you want to be measuring it for all time, but you also want to be measuring it across all of their jobs, all of their hiring managers, the whole entire business. So it gives you the opportunity to go, right, we can see this problem. If you partner with us and give us all of your jobs exclusively, we can actually go about fixing this right across your whole entire business. So instead of potentially working with 
five, 10 or 20% of that company and the jobs that they've got available, you've opened it up to the opportunity to get all, yeah. all 100% of them and potentially exclusively. Because the line that I tell our, our um, clients to use all the time, the more jobs you give us, the more data we can give back to you, the more insights, the more we can improve the process to make sure that every bun that sits in front of you in an interview, you've got the best possible opportunity of securing because we're not going to put candidates in front of you that aren't relevant. So when they are in front of you, you want to make sure you've got everything in the right place. Yeah. Can he, okay, have you, have you got a series of data that you could either share now or share later, which basically shows the value to the client of being able to answer these types of questions properly and therefore, that's a justification for a recruiter to be able to convince them to buy a retainer or an bit of exclusivity. So is there, is there, is there some, ser- some, some clear data to basically say, based on our research, when you work on a contingent basis with a recruitment organization, um, we can't tell you how you pitch the company, how effective your hiring manager are pitching the company, but not effectively pitching the company, which we see in 65% of, of hiring managers, means that actually your conversion ratios of placement drops from... 72% down to 22%. So therefore, if you want to make more placements within your organization, you need to understand the answers to these questions. Therefore, you need to work with us on an exclusive or retained basis. Is that possible to produce that? Uh, we don't pick up the data firstly, whether it's contingent, retained or exclusive. No. Uh, in the ATS, it's not segmented or flagged like that. The case studies that are on the previous slides, though, really do speak to it. Mm-hmm. So those agencies who are able to have that impact wouldn't have been able to do it if they didn't have that relationship of retained or exclusive. Yeah. So I wouldn't, I would agree that no, you wouldn't be doing all this work on contingent, but it gives you the opportunity to pitch for the bigger, the bigger piece and the bigger exclusivity. Yeah, I, I think I think so. And I, I love it when I hear a recruiter going to a customer and you listen to them pitching and they're pitching about this is the workflow. So this is how a, part, a recruitment partnership works between us and you. These are the areas where it often falls down. And when it does fall down, this is the impact it has on conversions. Um, and the reasons why it generally just falls down is because we're not allowed to come and spend time with you and understand the culture or you're too busy working with 27 agencies that you don't have time to come back to us to give us feedback or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if that's clearly mapped out, it's a very compelling argument to basically say, well, if you want to do this properly and you want to basically, you've taken your hiring seriously and you want to make these placements happen, you've got to plug those holes. And the only way you can plug your hole, you can't plug them unless you're, unless you're working on an exclusive or retained relationship. Correct. And the data that we're actually asking also, this doesn't just sit on the candidate side, it's actually the client side. So when mm. the client gives feedback, we're actually asking them also, does the, the consultant understand the culture and background of the company? Do they understand the job? Do they understand their business and the market? Now, are they providing market intelligence? So you actually tie all of that in and go, right, If we were, the closer we work with you, the better we can position you. And you've yeah. got the data then to show how well you do that. And you go, right, but we don't know how your hiring managers do this. Because the question I'd be asking at this pitch positioning stage as well, do you have any idea how your hiring managers actually explain the culture of your organisation? They'll have no idea whatsoever. Yeah. I'd be pretty confident they can describe the job, but they might be shocked. <laughs> What's the benefits of working? Can your hiring managers describe the benefits? So you start to get into this... Um, and you asked the question before, should you be doing this? Well, and the PSL that you were pitching for as consulting, 
This is consulting. Yeah. It moves you away from that transactional contingent piece. If we are going to work with you, this is best practice. This is what it looks like. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And it's still four for 91. Must be lunch. It's lunch. It's lunch. <laughs> In the ashes. That's cricket. So, yeah, I think at the end of the day, if you're, everyone's trying to position themselves a little bit differently. But unfortunately, everyone sounds the same. I hear often that a hiring manager or head of TA or something will get 20, 30 calls a week from a recruiter. How do you stand out? What's your point of difference? Because mm -hmm. if you're saying the exact same thing as everyone else, which everyone is, then good luck. You better be a very good joke teller to grab their attention and make them laugh in the first 30 seconds. Well, I'll just hang up on you. So that's all. I think that's all the slides, James. Oh, good. Okay. I was waiting for, sorry, I was waiting for the next compelling moment. <laughs> that was it. Maybe everyone's head's already exploded already as it is. So. <laughs> no, that's brilliant. Thank you. And Jahisha, maybe if you want to stop sharing those, that slide deck, that would be great. We'll come back to us. So um, I, I think I think this is this does open up a whole load of questions, right? So um, I suppose the, the first question is where do we get the data from? And I know obviously we can immediately go recruiter insiders is the obvious ploy. Let, let's just say for a second we're not here. You're not here to sell or promote recruiter insider. If somebody wanted to start out on this journey about collating data to be able to use, take it to market, et cetera, where, where would they start? Where would they get the data from? How would they start pulling some of these insights and information they could use? Uh, look, obviously, I am incredibly biased, so it's a little bit hard to get my head out of it. Just yeah, saying sure. why, because what we do is so incredibly unique um, and the depth we go to. But I think the first thing you've got to be doing is asking your clients and starting probably on a client service perspective, look at your own client base and have a conversation with them about, do they know how their hiring managers are pitching the culture or the benefits of working or are they turning up on time? Um, so I'd actually be seeing if you could go back and ask the candidates different questions of what you'd normally follow up with post interview. So typically the post interview questions you're following up with, how was the interview? Would you work there? Did you like the manager? What did you think about the job? Did they tell you anything more about it? Blah, blah, blah. Would you accept it if it was offered to you? Boring. Did they turn up on time? How did they describe the culture? And go down that path and try and get some deeper insights and understand what actually happened in that meeting rather than what the candidate actually feels about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think that, that, that feedback loop, I think is, is critical. I don't think we're particularly good at it. I think um, we, we don't really like feedback because I think we're scared of what we're going to hear, which I think is, is a problem in itself. So, you know, you've got, you've got to be really wanting to get feedback and gather feedback from people on all the time. Um, I like well, it in C I like it in CRM systems where you can't actually close a job off until you've actually ticked that you've got feedback about the process. I really love that as a concept. So it sort of forces a recruiter to have get the feedback loop. Like, no, ask for some leads, ask for some feedback, ask for a recommendation. Yep. Tick, tick, tick. Right, you can close a job off now. You can get paid on the job in essence. So, so I love that as a concept. I think I think that works well. Yeah, there's there's a saying: feedback is a gift, hmm. and I couldn't agree more with it. Whether it's good or bad, it's an opportunity. Yeah. So if it's bad, there's an area to improve, and it might be yourself that needs to improve, and that's perfectly fine. And you should be open to that. But if it's the client that needs to improve, then that's a massive opportunity. And the one thing with, with 
data and having all this information, what it actually gives you the ability to do is know things that you didn't know before. Yeah. You should, so you shouldn't be closed off to it. So, okay, so how can we get more of this to actually understand even more? Because that thing gives you the ability to do things that you couldn't do before. Yeah. And that's the difference. Mm-hmm. No, fair point. There's a question that's coming from Peter. I'll, I'll answer it in my view first, and I'll hand it over to you to have a look at, um, about whether the data uh, that hiring managers or clients are interested in varies from industry to industry, um, as in, like, is it different for tech, for county, for engineering? I'll let you answer that question. But to, to my, my point with the, the, that I'm going to touch on with Peter here is that I think it does really vary depending on who you're selling to and who you're dealing with. And I think that's one thing which I think is a really important thing for everybody to take away. In the sales process, we, we need to stop selling one-to-one, one person to one person. There are multiple people involved in the decision-making process in recruitment. Um, we need to be selling to all of those people, the influencers, the gatekeepers, the blockers, the decision-makers, et cetera. And the types of data that those people are looking for to validate why they should work with us I think will vary from, from, from position to position. So, you know, if you use an example, you've got a hiring manager and a financial director, they're both involved in the decision-making process. The data that the FD is looking for is probably going to be very different potentially from the hiring manager. Uh, they're probably looking for more conversion rates and quality of hire. FD yeah. is probably looking for cost savings, efficiencies, et cetera. So that, right. that's not, not directly answering your question, Peter, but it's just a point I wanted to mention, make, make, make here is that, when we're selling, we're selling to multiple people. The data we represent and present to them needs to vary depending on their role. To go to, the, to Peter's actual question, Justin, about does the data vary between different industries? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, look, we've actually kept it generic, to be honest. So whether it is tech or accounting or engineering, it's the same set of data that we collect for everyone because it brings in standardization. So whether it is, and I'll probably use this as an example, an accountant is a good example. An accountant can work in any business. That company hiring them could be in any industry. So to go down to that depth, what we're really looking at is simply the experience that someone has when they're sitting on the opposite side of the table from the hiring manager. And it could be very different in a tech company to an accounting company. So we actually can't standardize that, but it's still an accounting role. So there's the challenge there, but I think, (coughs) sorry, excuse me, I think James is right. The level of person that you're talking to needs a different set of results, a different set of data to show them this is their impact. This is what's happening for your world and how we can improve it. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. um, You mentioned a word there, which um, takes me back to right at the very beginning of what we were talking about, which around this whole USPs thing and how we're pitching, et cetera. Do we have, does a recruiter, or a recruitment business actually have a USP in comparison to other businesses. I mean, it's bloody hard to find something when there's, you know, what, 35, 42,000 recruitment companies in the UK alone. You know, we're all pretty much saying the same sort of thing, potentially. The, the, the USPs really, I think, come down to two things. It's got to become, it's got to come down to the size and quality of our, of our talent pool. I mean, I think, you know, our, where, where are we accessing candidates from and, you know, and are, they, are we exclusive to us and are we finding higher quality candidates, more engaged candidates, et cetera? That's a big part of it. But you mentioned the word impact. And I often say to people that the, your one real USP as a recruit, recruiter is the actual measurable, tangible impact you make to your customers. That's unique to you. So if you can say this year I've worked on 475 jobs of which I have a completion rate of 82%, speed to hire of an average of, 11.3 days and about all the people that i've placed this year 
Uh, 96% of them are still in place over 12 months later. Um, and 45% have been promoted in the last two years. Type question, uh, type comments. That data is specific to me. That sort of says an entire story about yes. how good you are. Um, so I think there's definitely a play around the impact that we make as a, as a recruiter, as a recruitment business, is possibly one of our biggest USPs, surely. Yeah, it's interesting because we actually have a tagline uh, that is real insights, real impact. Because that's what we provide and that's what our clients provide. And it's also obviously a play on RI, Recruiter Insider as well. Um, I love anything where I can get RI into the mix, even internally in the platform. Anything that's RE is now spelt RI. Um, it confuses the living daylights out of everyone. Um, but I think I'm funny sometimes with some of these words too. Um, but it's interesting because you said something there also um, of telling a story. And one of the things I see agencies doing, and we, we've, we've contributed to this, no doubt, um, but it's been happening for a long, long time. The evidence they've got that they do a great job is testimonials. Okay. Now, I've been running this business for six years and we've collected, I don't know, I think it's around 60,000 testimonials. Now, I haven't read 60,000 testimonials. I don't need to. But I've read and seen enough that they all start to sound and look the same after a while. I'll see one this week and one next week and one the next day, whatever, and they all start to intertwine and pretty much look and feel the same. My LinkedIn feed is just full of consultants putting up testimony, and it's great because it helps build brand and get the word out there and everything. But once they all start to sound the same, you haven't got any point of difference anymore. So we actually specifically built this particular feature in the platform that pulls different combinations of questions together in different topic areas, something like shortlist, um, talking about shortlist fitting and matching uh, what it was the client set out from the beginning, and then being able to post that up and tell a story around how well as an agency or as a recruiter, I match candidates to the shortlist and mm -hmm. provide advice on the shortlist at the same time. So the ability to go out and say, right, this is what I do and the quality I do it on this specific point tell a story about it, which is then the why for that person, the client or the candidate of why they should engage with you. Yeah. So no, good. evidence. And, and, and I think there's a really cool way of doing that. So I sat down with the recruitment business. This is, must be last year at some point. And they were looking at their brochure. So their marketing collateral to take to market and that type of stuff. And I said, show me what you've got now. And they showed me this 12 page, 15 page uh, sort of PowerPoint oh, so led type brochure. And it was and it, it was lovely. It's like these are all you know. We've got nine hundred and fifty years worth of experience. We run all these awards and blah blah blah. These are our so here's a bunch of bio pictures, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And this thing just went on and on and on. And I said to them, "A, a do you measure how many people actually read this, and do they actually get to the end of the whole document, or do they just flick through it or whatever?" So we changed it, and instead we we took we condensed the entire fifteen page presentation document down to a one page infographic. Yep. And the, inf and the infographic was basically probably about 14 different points of data that yep. basically told that entire story just with the outputs and the impact and in a pictorial infographic of data. And it was fantastic. And all they did was they talked around that. So if customers wanted to ask, how do you do that? Hey, I'm really happy to explain to you, but you don't need to worry about that. That's what we worry about. All you need to realize is that's the sort of results that we produce and that we get. So I love this idea of, of taking our 15-page proposals and template documents and brochures, condensing them down to a one-page infographic that summarizes in outputs, in impact of what we actually do. I, I love that as a concept. And I think anyone listening to this really think it's a great thing to go and to, to create in your business 
is these simple infographics that just paint the story of, of what you do. Yeah, I've got a client in Australia who actually did the same exercise. Um, oh, great. Probably not to the same degree of what you've you've done there because I wasn't in control of it like you can be. Um, but she actually came to me and said, we've got this page, this one page now, and it was, it was a 15-page document um, of who we are, what we do, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, who's going to read 15 pages? Mm. Are you mad? Um, we got to the page of, of RI data, and not only A, did she have the wrong data there, we cleaned that up and told a story. There's actually a story they could start to tell with different points and combinations of different questions we ask and results. It actually ended up being the one page that she took out of the whole document and used instead on a marketing campaign. <laughs> now, this only happened a few weeks before um, I came over here, but she actually realized straight away that the other 14 pages didn't have the same kind of visual impact and ability yeah. to tell a story. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, good. Um, look, I'm, I'm conscious of time. The cricket's about to start again, so we, we obviously need to finish off fairly soon because there's a few more a few more Australian wickets to be taken before tea. Um, there's questions coming from Paris about are, are there particular certain data points that you think are more effective for those initial outreach for, for a completely cold business development strategy before they've actually had a chance to build proper trust and relationships? So you know, what are some of the quick wins, I suppose, the easy quick data points to start take, to take to market? And utilize yeah, I mean, part of your BD strategy. Yeah, these score combos that I, I, I referred to just before. So there's 15 on the client side, and I don't think there's one that's probably any better than the other. They can all be just as powerful as the next, but it's your ability to actually tell that story around it. So mm. one that I do find that's quite useful though is we we've got the, the topic. It's called we listen, and it's actually got two questions in there and the scores that show that right. The consultant understood my business, so listened to that, and then consulted to our needs. Um, so that's at the beginning and the end of the process of those two questions are asked in terms of the hiring manager giving feedback. Um, so that's great on the client side. It also equally is a similar one on the candidate side because one of the things that candidates struggle with the most is hearing back from consultants. So I don't know that there's one that, and we've only released this feature in the last kind of four weeks as well, so we haven't had feedback yet from our clients to go, this one works brilliantly. I think it's just your ability to tell the story of this is why you should be working with us. Um, so there's a um, consultant in Australia that just put a post up earlier today I saw. She actually included four or five different images of these score combinations up there and just went to town on it all. Yeah. So I don't think that's necessarily the right way to do it. I think you want to hone in on one and tell a really good story and then go to the next one and go to the next one because using them all you don't know what's going to resonate with the person you're trying to attract it could sure. be one for one person and one totally different one because they've got different problems yeah and different experiences they've had with agencies so i think you've just got to try them all hone your message and see what works for you and obviously I, I, have very good scores at the same time yeah no, for sure yeah i mean i mean paris if i if i can give you my sort of two pennies worth on this i think there's there's two sides of data that i think are really important personally i think the one side of data is uh, the data points are around num number of clients that you currently work with number of deals that you've made on average a month on the last 12 months um and the retention of those clients so we've got x number of customers we've been working them for over five years um, and across the board, we've done X number of placements in this specific, specific sector. That to me automatically says everything I need to know about the fact that you're a good specialist in your particular area. And then the second side of it, which I think is really important, is around conversion ratios from jobs on to placements and speed to hire. 
because I think a lot of people, one of the main reasons why people use agencies is to eliminate wastage in, in their processes internally, et cetera. So I think if you can immediately demonstrate that you're not going to waste their time because actually you can show based on the jobs you're going to give us, we can convert X and that's how quickly you're going to get it. I think those two data point sets are really important. One validates that it's worth talking to me because clearly everybody else is. There's that FOMO piece. And then the second piece is if you do talk to me, I won't waste your time because I can show you basically how efficient our processes are in conversion. So I'll be picking those data points, how many clients you work with, how many, how long you've been working with them for, and the number of, sort of typical number of placements you make in your niche. And on the other side, typically what are your conversion ratios, conversion time, speed to hire, that type of stuff. I think those two things to me tell an amazing story about a recruitment business in, in about three or four sets of data personally. So there's a couple of thoughts for that one. To just add to that, James, I was mm. thinking through that as you were saying, I was almost going to challenge you there on one of those points. Good. The more I thought about it, the more I realized you have to include both the number of placements you've made and the conversion because one alone won't actually give context. No, exactly. You're just coming in saying you've got 500 roles placed, great, but what does that mean? Because if your fill rate, your conversion rate is 20%, well, then you're not that good. If you're exactly. just going out there and saying your conversion rate is 80%, but you worked on four jobs, well, I'm sorry, but that doesn't work either. Yeah. We, we work with an executive search firm and their whole, it was, like, it was almost like their website was like Google. So, you know, Google is one of the best websites in the world because it just says, here's a box, fill it in and get on with it. And I love that. They, they, their website was very similar and they had one line right across the middle of the website. The homepage was nothing else apart from this one line. And it was basically saying, we currently in the past, I can't remember what it was, in the past six years, in our niche specialty, whatever that was, we have a 100% success rate in every job that we've taken on. We have never failed to make a placement. And that's it. That's like, what else do you need to know about us? We're specialists in your area, and we will guarantee that we will make the placement. I love that as a principle, I think, which is quite cool. Nice uh, obviously, yeah, <laughs> obviously, you've got to be able to do that, right? So that's the most important thing. Um, look, as always, Justin, we could chat for hours and hours and hours, but obviously we can't today because of the cricket um, in particular. So... Um, Really useful exercise as always. Really great session as always. I think the data to me is, is really important. I, I do see it like gold in the business, in the recruitment company. There's so many ways that we could be using it. All we've spoken about today really is about how do we use it from a brand marketing sales perspective, which I think is hugely important. I think I go back to how I started with this is to me, it's a validation piece. You can be a great salesperson, say whatever you want to say. But if you can prove it and show it with data, it validates and backs up that what you're saying isn't a load of BS is actually true. And here's the data to sort of prove that. So um, those of you who aren't doing using data at the moment, just go and start pulling data, start getting some feedback loops going within your business and, and start utilizing this as part of your pitching, whether it be an infographic or just in the words that you're using. If you want to do this properly and do it seriously, I suggest definitely reach out to Justin and the guys at Recruiter Insider. As you can probably guess, we're big fans of, of RI at, um, at TRM. A lot of members using it and getting some great results off the back of it. Um, so make sure you reach out to Justin. Justin, what, what's the best way of getting contact to you, by the way? Uh, you can easily, easily find me on LinkedIn. Easily find him on LinkedIn. Yeah, so you find him on email, LinkedIn. My email's on there, phone number's on there. Message me, connect with me. Yep. Perfect. Excellent. So do reach out to Justin. Um, those of you who don't know much about the recruitment network, you want to come and be part of what we're up to, um, come and look at our website, recruitmentnetwork.com reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm very happy to have a chat with you as well. But um, as always, Justin, thanks for joining us today. So sorry to hear about the bad first day in the test today uh, for the Australia. I'm saying that now because I'm preempting sure. what's going to happen in this yeah. afternoon. Um, but great to see you, mate. Have a good one. And thanks everyone for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. Cheers.